0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Prayers for Your Day. This is Danita, and today is Friday, June the 23rd, 2023. As always, I give God thanks for you, for what he is doing in your life, and in the lives of your loved ones, the people, places, and things God has divinely connected you and I, too, excuse me, for such a time as this. It is in the afternoon. And of course, this is prayers for your day. We normally do this in the morning. But as I stated on yesterday, I am on vacation until July the 10th. So I want you guys to be a little bit flexible with me. I got up this morning. I walked and had a conversation with a friend of mine and start prepping my backyard for my daughter's open house. So just be flexible with me. I'm going to try to, as best as I can, to be committed and get on here sometime during the day, and then on July 10th, we'll be back on schedule, and you can catch me between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because you guys know on Fridays we do things a little bit differently, I wanted you to meditate and think about today on this weekend, who do you really worship? Who do you really worship? And you might say, Well, what do you mean, Danita? I'm 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 listening, I'm partnering with you in prayer, I'm coming in agreement with prayer. You know, I worship God. But I want us to really think about that. And I'm gonna give some scripture behind that. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, the New Living Translation, y'all know I've been in the book of Matthew lately. I want to take you to verse number eight. This is when the devil goes and tempts Jesus. Well, let me read the whole passage. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want to be clear here that sometimes when we are in troubled waters, when we are in troubled territory, we can't always assume that it is the devil that is leading us there. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us there and the devil might meet us there, but it's not the devil that's leading us there. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not from our mouth, but from the mouth of God. That's why my opinion about your situation doesn't matter, right? Your opinion about somebody else's situation doesn't matter. But what does the word of God say? Because Whether I do it, whether you do it, as my pastor said, it doesn't matter. The word of God never changes. And so when I give you the word or you give me the word, we shouldn't take that as judgment, right? I'm not saying it. God is saying it. I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. But I can tell you, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. What are the words that come from the mouth of God? The Bible, the Holy Scriptures, Genesis to Revelation. That is the mouth of God. Then verse five says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So at first, the devil says, if you are the son of God, I want you to do this. Then he takes what Jesus t- tells him and tries to put it back on him. Right. So some of people call that gaslighting. Now, some people call that um. You know, you twisting my words, but it's clear the enemy tried to use the scripture against Jesus. One of the things that we have to be careful about is that we don't weaponize the word of God, that we don't use it to manipulate people into getting them to do what it is that we want them to do. Right. That we don't weaponize the word of God. And so that's why sometimes you have to. And that's why we pray, Lord, increase our level of discernment. So that when somebody is talking to you, you have to ask, who, who is talking to me? Who is telling me this? And you have to be able to discern with the help of the Holy Spirit. Where is this person coming from? Right. Are they coming from, if if it's in their heart to tell you these things because they really love you and they want to see you delivered and set free and made whole, or are they telling you this to manipulate you to get something that they want out of you, right? Because that's exactly what the devil did. Once Jesus said, hey, guess what devil You know, I'm not living by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then what the devil tries to do. Okay, well, if that's what you said, I'm going to give you the mouth of God. I'm going to give you scripture. And so then Jesus responded and says the scriptures also say, yeah, I know you coming with the word. Right. But now I'm going to still say, hold up. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord, your God. So even though he was given scripture in a form of manipulation and deceit, he responded with scripture. That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved because if, if Jesus did not know the word of God, if Jesus did not know the word of God then he would have taken what the enemy said and said, dang, you're right. You're right. So let me go ahead and do this. We got to be careful. And it is okay. What do I tell you guys all the time? Google is a wonderful thing. If you don't know the word, get on Google. Google, where is the scripture about such and such? You know, if you got an Alexa, Alexa, find the scripture on such and such. Technology right now, as much as it's used for bad, it can also be used for good. And then search the scripture. I tell you, read it in the King James, read it in the NIV, read it in the NLT, read it in the Message Bible. And most importantly, pray. Pray, pray, and pray some more and get in the presence of God and be still. He said, if you acknowledge him in all of your ways, he will direct your path. He'll tell you how to respond. He'll tell you sometimes not to respond at all. And just be quiet, be still, and know that he is God. And whatever's gonna be, is gonna be. Then it says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said. If you will kneel down and worship me. See, sometimes we think that when people have money and they have things and all of that, we think that God is blessing them. But remember, we talked about this early in the week. It says that we are to repent and turn to God. Then the Bible goes on to say in Matthew 3. You prove this by the way in which you live. So I don't care what a lot of these uh, rappers have. I don't care how much they stand up there and say, first of all, I want to give an honor to God. And first of all, I don't care anything about that because the Bible says repent and turn to God and prove it by the way in which you live. If you are a person of influence and you are using profanity in such a way, and if you are talking about killing people and if you are talking about doing horrible things and you know you have influence, how is that proving by the way that you live that you have repented and turned to God? Remember, it's not or it doesn't say repent or turn to God. It says repent and turn to God. There's a difference between or by itself, right? Repent or turn to God. Doesn't say that. There's the difference between repent and slash or turn to God. That means either way it goes and or the or, right? Then then the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what John was saying. But the Bible says repent and turn to God. Then John goes on to say, prove by the life in which you live. Life in front of people, life outside of people, life in front of an audience and life in front of the audience of one. When it's just you and Jesus prove by your lifestyle. Then it goes on to, then the enemy, then then Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord, your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. You must worship the Lord, your God and serve only him, which takes me to my point of today. Who are you worshiping? So if the Bible says you must serve only God and worship him, that means that if if the enemy, the devil, was coming to Jesus, he was telling Jesus, I want you to serve and worship me. So what does it mean to worship Satan? What does that really mean, right? We, we hear about people lighting candles and casting spells and, and all of that. That is what we would call the overt the overt Satanist, kind of like the overt racist, right? They're going to call people, you know, derogatory names. They're going to let it be known how they feel about you if you are of a different race, even though we know that race is a social construct. Nonetheless, they're going to let you know how they really feel about you, In their words. It's obvious. They don't want to eat with you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to be around you. They tell you how they feel about you. It's overt. Make no mistake about it. Right? There are overt racist. And then there are covert racist. Where it's it's undercover. Right? You might think they are. But you're not really sure. But. By the way they do things, by the things that they say, you might be like, yeah, I think so-and-so's a little racist, but you don't have the proof. See, a lot of so-called Christians, and I don't want to say so-called because that says judgy, a lot of Christians, so forgive me, Lord, forgive me, and, I, and, I, and I'm turning, right? I'm, I don't want to say that again because I believe that if people say they are a Christian and they believe that they are. But they they may be missing the mark. So a lot of Christians don't realize that they are worshiping Satan. So today, I was looking at this article. And I was reading this article about a, um, former, a former church. And they had an interview with a Satan high priestess. Can you believe that? And so as they're going through this interview, the interviewer says, do you actually worship Satan? This is what she says. The idea of worshiping Satan is ridiculous. We worship ourselves first and foremost, and we use the satanic as a metaphor for calling forth the powers within ourselves that we find enriching or in, in, or, or, or uh, uh, I'm sorry, we find enriching. Satan has always been a metaphor of defiance, fortitude against all odds and self-determination to whatever guises he represented. So what is she saying here? When you are a worshiper of yourself. When you are so selfish and nothing and nobody else matters but what you want, which is why Satan was cast out because he wanted to be the greatest. He wanted to be the baddest. He wanted to be the best. Right? He was full of pride and arrogance. See, it was about him, which is a lot of what comes from what we hear now, narcissism. then you are worshiping Satan. No, you don't have the candles. No, you don't have the chance. No, you're not. I think that some people said something doing roots or something, casting spells or whatever. You're not an overt Satanist, but you are practicing covert Satanism. Then the interviewer says, what are the church of Satan's core beliefs? And I want y'all to listen to this. Number one, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. So you think about that. I think about gluttony, right? I think about people who have a tendency to be over the top. There's no balance, right? Indulgence instead of abstinence. Abstinence comes from self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. When you are abstinence from a thing, right? You are able to control. When you're fasting, you're able to turn that plate over. Just like Jesus was hungry, and that's when the temptation came stronger, but he was able to remain abstinent from food. Then it says Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams and all of their guises. Satan represents undefined wisdom Undefined wisdom. You know, the Bible tells us that there is a godly wisdom. So if we know there's a godly wisdom, we know also that there's an earthly wisdom. Then it says Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. We was talking about love, y'all. We read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 for a whole week. We broke that thing down in terms of what it means to love. Right? The Bible says, what good is it to love, you know, people who love you back? That's not necessarily, that's not what God called us to do. But he told us to love our enemies, to be good to those who mistreat us. Satan represents vengeance. Instead of turning the other cheek, what does the Bible say? God says, I will make your vindication like the noonday. The Bible says, God says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. But when you when you give into the flesh, and this is really what it means, when you give into the flesh, you lack self-control, you want to do things your way. Right, you're selfish in terms of it's about your needs and nobody else's, it's about you want what you want, regardless of who it hurts or how it makes anybody feel. Then you are worshiping Satan. Then it says, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those. That walk on all fours. Who because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development has become the most vicious animal of all. Meaning there's nothing special. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I don't believe in necessarily that I need to, I need to be holy because he is holy, right? That I, that I need to live a, live a lifestyle that is proving that is proof of my repentance and turning to God. So when you think that you can live any old type of way, and it doesn't matter, you are worshiping Satan. Then eight says Satan represents all so-called sins. Now there, you know we sin is a sin. I'm telling you what the high priestess of Satanism has said. As they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. When you gratify your flesh at all costs, doesn't care if you hurt your spouse, don't matter if you hurt your children, it doesn't matter who who suffers, it's about you. The so-called sins, that's what they call it. But we know sin is a sin. I'm going to lie because me lying is going to help me get out of trouble. And most importantly, number nine, it says Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had. As he has kept it in business in all these years. This is when she's kind of being a little facetious. So I give you that. I'm going to tell you where you can look that up. It is, it was 2019 article, it's by Charles Monroe Kane, and it said, The Not-So-Subtle Subversiveness of Satan Worship, alright, it's an article uh, by Charles Monroe Kane, and it's titled, The Not-So-Subtle Subversiveness of Satan Worship, So you might say Danita, and those are Satan's core beliefs, the church of Satan's core beliefs, which were originally published in 1969. And it says it's not only what the person who wrote it put forth, but it's what they live by. It's about gratifying the flesh by any means necessary. And so here in the wilderness, and I know I'm going a little bit over today. So if you need to listen to half today and half another time throughout the weekend, so be it. But, but what Satan was saying to Jesus as Jesus was being, as he was tempting Jesus is that I will give you all of this. Because remember, Satan is the prince of the world. Right? Remember, we're born in sin shaped in iniquity. So often when we wonder why good things happen to good people, God does not do it. It's the way of the world. We are dealing with the consequences of sin all the way back from Adam to Eve. We we just are. And with that being said, we know that. When we trust and worship God with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of their soul and all of our soul, we know that this world is temporary, that we are just passing through and eventually we will go on to glory. And prayerfully, all of us will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Who are you worshiping? Some people worship money. It's all about that dollar. Even the Bible says that it'll be, you know, it'll be harder. I mean, it'll be easier for what is it a man or I can't think of it thinking about the camel and and the needle than a rich man to make it to heaven. Money is a resource, but God is our source. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Who are you worshiping? When you want that thing so bad that it consumes your mind and it consumes everything you do, you have entered into idolatry. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Seek ye the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all things, right? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is a seeking involved in worshiping God. When you worship Satan, you worship yourself. And you don't care about anybody else. And so my prayer for us today and on this weekend is that we would think about those nine characteristics of what it means to worship Satan based on the core beliefs of the church of Satan and ask ourselves. Am I taking things in my own hands when I'm upset? Have I decided I'm the judge and the jury, so when somebody does something to me, I'm going to get them back? Or do I say vengeance is the Lord's, he will repay? Do I wake up in the morning with a mind and a heart to crucify my flesh? That even if I want to say something that I know is not of God, I'm going to try with the help of the Holy Spirit to be quiet. Do I make time to steal away with Jesus, to read the word, to meditate on the word, to be quiet before him so that he can speak back to me, so that he can direct my path? Who are you worshiping? It's not about being an overt worshiper of Satan. We would know that, right? We would be like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not fooling with so-and-so. They're, they're, you know, uh uh-uh, they worship Satan. But many of us do it covertly and we don't even recognize it. That's why the Bible says the way is narrow. Narrow. And Revelation, you know, God did not prophesy in your name. Did not preach in your name. And what does God say? Depart from me. I never knew you. Because it wasn't about him and what it wasn't about God. It it was about us. We made it about us. This is time for self reflection to say who, what is my purpose? You know, Jesus said He didn't come to be to to be served. He came to serve. Are you here to serve or are you here to be served? We got some work to do, y'all, but I'm so thankful. Here's the exciting part about it. I'm so thankful that we're still here because that means we still got a chance. That means we still got work to do. That means that God is not through with us yet. Hallelujah. That's the praise in it. That we still got time to do what? To repent and turn to God. To prove by the lifestyle in which we live that we belong to him. That we worship him. And that we are the light of the world. We are not like hidden in a city. But we are the light so that those who see the light can glorify our Father. And it's all by the proof in which we live. We ain't even got to speak about it. Everybody that encounters you should know there's something different about you. By the way you speak, by the way you carry yourself, by the way you move, by the way you handle different uh, difficult situations. By the way, you talk about God, even in your most trying and difficult times. They ought to know there's something different because I know this brother done been through a lot. But man. Being a Christian, being a believer doesn't mean that we don't go through. It means we go through differently. It means we go through differently, that I don't have to wow out, that I don't have to go out here and start drinking and smoking and having sex with this person and that person and just making it all about me because something happened in my life that I, I had a hard time with. Something happened in my life that disappointed me. Something happened in my life that broke me. That is not an excuse to gratify your flesh. The devil is a liar. That is not an excuse to say, well, since this happened to me, now I can just do whatever I want to do. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is an opportunity to go closer to God. That is an opportunity To say, God, here here I am. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I don't know why this has happened. But somehow I'm going to trust you. But somehow I'm going to put my faith in you. And I'm still going to glorify your name. I'm still going to say you are ruler over my life. I'm still going to say that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So God work it out for my good. We have a, a tremendous opportunity In a time in this world where things are getting darker and darker and darker and more things are becoming questionable in terms of just about everything. From artificial intelligence to people questioning gender to just the list goes on and on and on. But what does God say? According to the scripture, that's how you worship God. I love you all. Thank you for allowing me to go over, but I felt so strongly about this because we have to examine. First, let a man examine himself. Humble yourself. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. I'd rather humble myself than for God to humble me. I love you all. Have an Awesome, glorious weekend. Be blessed. Listen to this in two parts. It's a long one. Love you all. Bye bye.